Good evening, everyone. Good to see you tonight. Thanks for coming along to Wednesday night service. Let's uh, turn our Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 23 and just give you a couple of thoughts here as we get into this evening and hope that you've had a good week and uh, had a great, uh, great day yesterday as we uh, again remembered Anzac Day and just the, all of the significance of that and the, the sacrifice of many for the freedoms that we enjoy and then just had a great service today at, uh, at our Christian school, just um, a, lot of, a, lot of, um, a lot of just good things happening uh, around that as well and, and uh, young people getting saved and heard of uh, a couple more who got saved earlier this week, so praise the Lord for that and uh, we're excited about what God's doing there. But Second uh, Samuel chapter th- 23... And uh, we're going to read from verse 8 and then uh, read down to verse, uh, verse 12, but then, um, then uh, skip down to verse 18. So follow along with me. And uh, th- this chapter is really David's last words. And, you know, if you understand that, obviously there's an immediate significance of that when, when we, the Bible records for us someone's last words. And, of course, David being a significant figure in Really, all of all, all of God's plan, and then also here, especially in the uh, in the Old Testament, we see that the, that His words are recorded, and then amongst this, there's a, a record of His mighty men, and it's interesting again that that throughout the the Scriptures, that as God begins to work in different people's lives, that He brings others along the way to journey with. You remember right from the beginning that when God formed Adam, God recognized and then recorded for us the reality that it's not good for man to be alone. And immediately the very first, uh, very first man was given a help that was fitting for him. And so right there, God patterned that there would just be an understanding that if, if people are to flourish, then he's going to need to have others along the way. You see even in the life of Moses, another significant uh, personality in, in God's word, even Moses, who was the meekest man on earth, and Moses, who uh, was going to be this great leader who was going to redeem God's people from slavery there in Egypt. He, his initial thoughts to God was that he, had, he, he wasn't eloquent, he couldn't speak, and he didn't have, and God reminds him, that it was God that, that made the tongue and so forth, and that exchange at the burning bush. But then later on, he also goes, go see your, your, half-brother, your brother Aaron, and he's going to be your spokesman. And right there, God's forming partnerships. You know, even when you think about the Lord Jesus, the perfect man, the Lord, the Lord Jesus himself, when he began his ministry, immediately he sought others. He sought the disciples. And he won them and he journeyed with them. And so God's pattern is that he equips us uh, not just just with those spiritual things that we know, but he equips us with others. And we also know that from a perspective of the fact that we're in the church age and with that comes just the belonging that we ought to have in our local church. And we have a group of people now that we're supposed to journey with together and we're meant to, to sharpen each other. We're meant to edify one another. 
And there's a bringing together in God's plan and God's work. And, you know, when, when sometimes when we go through life, we can sometimes take that for granted a little bit and, and not recognize that actually we all play a role in that. You know, when you go for a job, generally people, when you go through uh, some, sort of, uh, some sort of permanent role or really any job, they'll want to sit down with you first, right? I know there's a couple of our, our, our different young adults who are searching for their new role in, a, in their career and what they're, they're meaning to, to do there. And there's been a lot of people saying, hey, could you pray for me about an interview? Why? Because they're, at that interview, they're trying to see what value you add. Right? They'll ask questions that will get them to understand where, where you could add to the company or where you could add to that business or that workplace. And they, they want to know that you're going to be the type of person that when you come into that, you're, you're going to add value, that you're not going to cause uh, you know, any kind of headache or pain or anything like that or cause any loss. You're, you're going to bring something to the table, so to speak. And, and God does that, in a sense, when he brings you into the, the church. He's the one, and the Bible tells us he sets every member in place. And, and we're supposed to have the mentality that as God brings us to groups of people in his will and in his time, that we're supposed to add value. And what we see here is, in the, is David's mighty men, and even David, who was a man after God's own heart. David, who actually at one point was the sole a soldier, the sole person that came against the, the giant Goliath. And when he entered the fray there, there was all of these soldiers who should have known how to fight this champion of Gath. And yet they didn't do anything. There was David coming in with his bread and his cheese on an errand run for his dad. And he goes in there and he stands alone at one point against this giant. And God gives him the victory, but very quickly what does he do? God allows him to get into different forces there that he then becomes a leader. And even David, this, this man who is high caliber, as high caliber as David was, as, a, as, as a, such a, a mighty warrior in David, he still got given mighty men. He, he still got given these, and he records it for us here in verse 8. Going forward, notice this in Verse 8, these be the names of the mighty men whom David had. Now it's the Tachmanite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains, the same was Adino the Esnite. He lift up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. So imagine the, the, the kind of expertise this man had. He was one of David's mighty men, Adino. And in one, one battle... He slew 800 men with his spear. And we don't have that, uh, that sort of uh, picture now, really, even in battle, you sort of, uh, there's no more this hand-to-hand -hand combat, really. It's more, uh, it's more technological warfare today. But you imagine the, the kind of training and the kind of, kind of skill Adino brought to the table, all right? He, he slew 800 at a time. And after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defiled, defied the Philistines that were there gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. So after him, there was this, this, this other man whose name is Eleazar. He was another one of his three mighty men. 
And it says there, they defied the Philistines. He arose and smote the Philistines, in verse 10, until his hand was weary. And his hand clave unto the sword, and the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. So this man who had great endurance, he, he held onto that sword despite there being a great battle against an enemy force. He, he held on to that. He had great endurance, and he was one of David's mighty men. So we're learning a little bit about those that surround David. Adino, Eleazar, notice in verse 11, and after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Hararite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop. There was a place of ground full of lentils, and the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it, and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. So they must have really liked lentils because they defended that ground. But there he was, standing against the forces, and they, they caused the, the enemy forces to flee. Why? Because he had some strength. He had something to bring to the table. This was the three that came along, and, and we'll see later on that there's 30, but there's these three that, that really came to the fore. And we continue to read, and you know, we won't take the time to cover these, but they were the ones that when David was longing for the waters of Bethlehem, they went and just because they understood his want of that, they went ahead and did this daring thing, and they got the water, and we know the story there. David pours it out because he felt so guilty that they would even go that, that far. And he poured it out to the Lord, but notice with me in verse 18, and here's what I want to bring to you tonight. Verse 18, and Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zeruiah, notice this, was chief among the three. And he lifted up his spear against 300 and slew them and had the name among three. And then the Bible asks a rhetorical question, was he not most honorable of three? Therefore he was their captain, howbeit he attained not unto the first three. So there was this, this other one named Abishai, and we already read about Adino, Eleazar, and Shammah, and, and we, we saw the great victories there. They no doubt were the skillful ones, no doubt. In Bible ordering, they, we understand probably there that they were the significant ones in the sense of they were gifted and skilled. And, you know, we already, if we just compare numbers, one slew 800, and now we're reading about Abishai who slew 300. But, but notice what the Bible says about him in a rhetorical question. He says, was he not most honorable of three? Therefore he was their captain, howbeit he attained not unto the first three. And here's the, the point I want to make is, is, you know, he may not have been the most gifted. He, he may not even have compared to the first three that we read about. And if we were to pick, you know, sometimes in the playground, you, you, when you were growing up, you would have them, you, you would have picking teams, right? And you dreaded being the last picked, right? No one likes to be the last picked. But it just goes that kids know. They just know. They, they see each other play all the time. They know who they want on their team. And so you get picked first, you understand. You're probably the most skillful. You, you, you're going to add value very quickly. And so you're picked first if you're not the captain. 
But, but he was saying here that uh, out of those first three, he attained not as much, but he was their captain. There was just something about Abishai that it wasn't simply in, the, uh, in those statistical things that you often see. You know, we live in a world, and if you follow sports a little bit, it's all about statistics, it's all about the numbers. And people are obsessed. You, you, you can search every, every little detail of a person's career and every little statistic, and, and people go by the numbers now. People are enamored by numbers. And like we can quantify everything that is done on a, on a sporting field. But there's now an understanding that there's the intangibles that, that come together that, that form a real team. There are those in the team that they contribute in unseen ways. And somehow they're the ones that somehow make, make everything work. And I picture that to be Abishai. I picture that, that even though he had his own skills... Even though himself he could slay 300 men, he didn't attain to the three. He, he wasn't as talented. He wasn't as gifted. He, he wasn't the, the one that maybe uh, if there was a, a poster and maybe if there was a headline that advertised the battle, it wouldn't be his name in the top three soldiers of that battle. He wouldn't be one of these Shammah and, and Eleazar and Adino. He wouldn't be there. He didn't attain to them, but he was their captain. There was something that he could contribute. There was something that, that about Abishai that allowed him to be the leader of these men, even though they were more talented and more gifted. There was something about that. And, and you know, in a, in a setting where God's the one that's forming, and by the way, there's a, there's a direct picture there, isn't there? Because we're supposed to be soldiers. We're supposed to be an army. We're supposed to be a, a group that, can, can in, in a combined force, wrought victories for God. And it's important to understand that. But you understand that sometimes we want to be the most talented and the most gifted, and we're thankful for that. We need those. But you can, you, you, you can contribute even if you don't attain to the three. Even if you're not the one that would be the headline act, God still has a way of making you valuable in the team valuable in the body. And you could be someone that has the leadership qualities and maybe has those qualities that brings people together, but you don't have to be the headline act to make a difference. Because sometimes in a, in a setting where a group of people come together, even Christian people, sometimes what we tend to do is just make it about our ego. Make it about the fact that I'm noticed. Make it the fa- about the fact that, you know, I'm I'm doing as much, I'm fruitful, as fruitful as the other. And, and you might even fall for the trap of, of looking around and thinking, well, I can't contribute. I'm not like that person. I'm not like Adino, and I'm not like Shama, and I'm not like Eliezer. I'm not like the first three. But you know what the, what the Bible records for us about Abishai? Is even though he didn't attain to the first three, he was still more honorable, and he was their captain. You know, there's just some people, they're just the glue people. They, they just somehow, even if from an outside point of view, there just doesn't seem to be anything that they quantifiably can contribute. But without them, it's just not as good. You know, I've often talked about how growing up we sung in a quartet. And, you know, we, 
would, there'd be times we would be invited somewhere and one of us couldn't make it. And, you know, we would go and we would still, because we were trying to serve the Lord in this way, we would go and sing, but it just wasn't the same. Just wasn't the same. You know, we'd try a three-part harmony as opposed to a four. It just wasn't the same. And I remember that, that, that lesson in there that sometimes we can only find, we only find significance if we, if we sing the solo, but all the parts matter when it comes to harmony. You know, it, when all four of us were there, we, we sung and we harmonized in a really good way. But even if one was missing and we had to fill a part, it just wasn't the same. And sometimes in a setting like ours where, where sometimes we get lost in the numbers and we can maybe get a sense of maybe I'm not significant enough. Listen, God sees you and God sees your place. And actually, even in the body, it's those, that are, those parts that are uncomely sometimes that are most necessary. And, and you know, we, we might feel like, well, you know, I'm only young and, and what do I? And, and listen, you in your pureness of heart, you in your... Your, your diligence to be part of the body, you in your diligence to want to serve God in your part, you could make all the difference every Sunday and you just don't even know it. And you know, it's not us that keep the balances, it's God that keeps the balances. And you know, sometimes we can just get lost in the, in the sight-based world that we live in and we approach church that way and approach the Christian life that way. But I want to tell you that God's the one that keeps the balances. Yeah, I have no doubt that during the, the outplaying of this in the lives of these, and, and you know, we, we understand this is an army, this was a group of soldiers. Later on, we're going to find that actually there's 30, and he lists all those names here. But, but again, there was one who was more, more honorable, and he was their captain. I'm not sure if, if Abishai actually felt that. Maybe he understood it in the sense of he had to lead these and he, he knew he could add value. But, but he, didn't, he probably didn't understand if he was most honorable. Like in that setting when you're trying to win a battle, it didn't matter who was most honorable. It just, it mattered if they won the fight. <laughs> it mattered if they were seeing the results. It mattered if they saw progress forward. That's all they cared about because they were a unit, they were a group. And, and later on, God's going to be the one that says, you know what? Out of all them, he was most honorable. And we don't know that until eternity. But if we play our part, if we, if we do our bit, and it doesn't matter really what part we play, as long as we're doing it for the Lord, as long as we're doing it with a, with a sincere heart, then we might be that rhetorical question that God asks one day. Was not he more honorable? You know, it was just that in, in, from a human standpoint. He was statistically not the best one. And here's the, the point I want to make. You know, you don't have to be the most skilled. You just have to contribute your skills. You, you don't have to be the most skilled. You don't have to be the most gifted. You don't have to be the five-talent guy. You don't have to be the three-talent guy. You just have to have one talent. And if you don't bury it and you use it for God, then you're using it just the same. And you're contributing. You're, you're doing your bit. And, and, you know, you play that part. And, and you know, sometimes even if, if I can say, if you just make those around you better, then actually you're playing your part well. You know, one of the things I challenged the, the young men about during our youth camp is just the fact that, that 
when a, when, when a man who is strong comes into a room or comes into a group, his presence immediately ele- elevates that group. There's just something about a man who's walking with God. There's just something about someone who just knows and they're, they're, just, they're, they're, they're coming with a calling that when they come into a group of believers and a group of people, that somehow their presence just elevates the room. That they just make it better. And I imagine Abishai that way. I imagine that because of the fact that he was just a team player in the sense that he just knew the skills that he can bring to the table. And it didn't matter who else got the highlights. It didn't matter that, that others were getting the top billing. It didn't matter that the others were getting featured. No, he was the captain and he was just going to make a difference. And, and that he was bringing whatever skills he had to the table. And, you know, sometimes we can, we can uh, approach the, the things of God in this way where we just want to quantify everything. And if we're not as good or if we don't contribute the way others contribute, then I'm not as significant. And listen, God doesn't see it that way. He, he's going to be the one that later on will, will reward and will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And maybe you just don't have to be the most skilled, you just have to give over your skills. But it just might be that you just can make those around you better. You know, how do, do, we, do we do that in our homes, we men, as leaders of our home? Do we, do, do we give that sense when we come home that, you know, it's better because dad's home? Do we, do we give that sense when we come into our, our, our times together where is there something missing if we're missing? Is there something that we, uh, that we have just that, that, that kind of presence uh, as people that if we're not there, we're missed? Do we make the room better? And I'm saying not just from an earthly point of view, but from a spiritual point of view. And do you, do you allow others to shine? Because that's what happened really with Abishai. Man, he got a little bit of shine, but not as much, uh, not as much shine as Adino, Eliezer, and Shammah. They were the first three. But he was the captain of them. Was he not more honorable than them all? And there's this rhetorical question. Later on, notice this, was he, in verse 20, in Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man, of Kabzeel, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab. He went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in time of snow. He slew an Egyptian, a goodly man, And the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, but he went down to him with a staff and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. These things did Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and had the name among the three mighty men. And notice this in verse 23. He was more honorable than the 30, but he attained not to the first three. There's another character here, Benaiah. You know, he he was more honorable than the 30, than the whole group but he didn't even attain the first three. He wasn't top billing. But actually, in God's estimation, he was better than the 30. And again, sometimes we view things here on earth in a very different light, and only eternity will bear it out. But you'll, you'll only find out if you play your part. You'll only find out in eternity if we contribute the way we should contribute. 
And we're just joyful to be part of what God is doing, not getting the top billing. You see, the Bible tells us it's unwise to compare ourselves amongst ourselves. And sometimes we just, we know what we can contribute. You know, there's strength in knowing who God made you to be. There's strength in finding great contentment in that. And then there's greater strength when we use what that is for the edifying of the saints, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You know, one of the things that we ought to challenge ourselves is to understand what our spiritual gifts are. In Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, it lists that out for us. And, and all of those gifts are for the edifying of the body. And, and one of the things that we should learn to do is, is discover what our gifts are. And then de develop those gifts and then deploy those gifts. And, and whatever it is, you, you might feel like you're an uncomely part. You're just... You know, you're that part that no one notices, but you play a significant role. You know, you know, giants who play physical games, if their big toe is injured, they can't play. And no one notices the big toe. And I'm not suggesting this, but if you cut off your big toe, it's very hard to balance. And that's insignificant. Sometimes we don't even cut the toenails of our big toes because <laughs> it's that unnoticeable. But the big toe helps you balance. It helps you find your footing. It helps athletes who are paid millions and millions of dollars do what they're supposed to do. But without their big toe, they can't be paid that. They won't be as good. And I don't know who, I'm not pointing out tonight who the big toe is of our church. God knows. But if without our big toe, we can't move forward like we should. We can't go ahead and maybe you're not Adino. Maybe you're not Eliezer. Maybe you're not Shema. But maybe there's some Abishais and Benaiahs out there who didn't attain to the first three. But actually in God's estimation, there was honor there. And maybe that's you tonight. And I want to encourage you. Maybe I don't notice. Maybe, maybe those around you don't notice. But actually, you're making all the difference. And before God, he sees you. And before God, you would just commit to say, Lord, whatever it is that you've called me to do, I'll just keep doing. All right, Jewel.